Welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where magic meets mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a witch and licensed psychotherapist. I'm Callie Little, a sex educator and emotional support witch, and we're the coven in your pocket. Hello and welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast. Today's episode is a little different than some of our other episodes. It is a bit more unstructured and unscripted. I mean, we're never really working off a script, but we usually have a structure. And this episode was different because we recorded it via Zencaster the first time we were recording remotely. So we went in to experiment and then lo and behold, 45 minutes later, we had a whole episode. This episode is special, I think, because it's unstructured because it really communicates what it's like between two friends, two witches, two women who are like the rest of us being highly impacted by what's happening in our world. We did this recording remotely because we're no longer safe to see each other in person because COVID-19 is absolutely ravaging our country. And like every other state in America, we're back to full quarantine because, well, the way they loosened things up, yeah, that didn't work, did it? The way that we loosened things up didn't work, did it? So here we are, yet again, facing another wave of isolation. So please enjoy this recording <laughs> between me and Callie as we relate and process and reflect on a new world. Oh, oh. so right. this is this is our first foray into remote recording. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but it I'm I'm glad that we have it. I really appreciate Zencaster for having a way that people can keep making art without having to expose each other to disease. That's very, very handy. Yeah, same. I mean, not an ad for Zencaster, but like we're just grateful to have it. So I want to I want to note that we had been very limited in our exposure to others and had chosen to, you know, record in person for the first two episodes and that we've just reassessed and decided that recording remotely is a better option for now. It is a better option for now, especially with the way things are going. So not more than an hour ago, um, Washington State is going way, way backward to where we were in March. Not not 100% to where we were in March in terms of restrictions, but pretty damn close. May as well be. So it's not even legal now to meet with people outside your home, nor should it be. Like, shit is off the chain. We went from, like, a couple hundred positive cases in the state a day to thousands. So... Um, I know I'm scared and I'm not leaving my house and I know Callie feels the same. So it's definitely the thing we got to do to keep everyone safe. Yeah. I mean, we're moving backwards in that we're going back to precautions that should have been here the whole time, which is actually progress as far as I'm concerned. I agree. (sighs) Uh, So Amber, last week (laughs) we had a really amazing, great talk about cults and then, (laughs) and then... And then there just seems to be unlimited um, weird uh, audio fuckery that keeps happening to us that I can't really keep blaming on Mercury (laughs) retrogrades. Now that we're in Mercury direct. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But yeah, we had a really big meaty episode. There was like almost nothing I was going to cut. Um, it would have been like an hour and a half on cults and, um, yeah, it was unusable audio tracks. Yeah. So we do apologize that that happened. And also there's literally nothing we could have done about it. Um, yeah, no, y'all can hear in, I, I uploaded the video that Amber took to send to me to let me know about what was going on. And you can hear that in, in the video, it's like when we're testing our mics and we're like, yeah, it's fine. Look, it's recording just fine. We so, sound like demons, like, like blah, blah, screaming blah, blah, blah. from the void. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. What happened? I don't even know. 
Yeah. I mean, there are just some things that are out of our ability to prevent. And while I know that we both are sad that the conversation was essentially like it completely unusable (sighs) onward and upward, you know, and we, we both have a lot of gratitude for y'all waiting through the inevitable learning curve of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can hear some, um, some rustling in the background, maybe you can, maybe you can't, I don't know. This is new. It's my cat, um, trying very aggressively to get into my office. And (laughs) normally I would just throw things at the door, but, um, oh, now I can hear that she's being attacked by another cat. (laughs) Did you hear that? Like, ah! I heard one very sad, high-pitched Ponyo meow. Oh, my God. Um, But I can't hear any of the rustlings. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm not going to throw water bottles at the door while I'm recording on Zencaster. (laughs) It's harder to edit. That seems good. I feel like that might be startling for the listeners (laughs) and me. I think it's startling for both of us. But, you know, uh, but I digress. Um, So, you know, our, our audio difficulties... What's happening in the world, things happening definitely in my personal life that have been very destabilizing. Mm -hmm. It's just felt like this whole time right now, this whole Scorpio season is about having to constantly readapt over and over and over again. Yeah. I agree. Uh, And I think that tis the fucking season and it's the year for it. You know, I think that there is a bit of poetry in, in that it's the year 2020 and that's about clearly seeing things, you know? Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not the only one to observe that. That's not a unique thought, but it it is real. And, you know, there are a lot of things that have become cliches this year, like the word um, unprecedented. <laughs> this is an unprecedented time. It is. And the now new more than normal. Ever. Oh, God. Now more than ever, you need this pan that is on Instagram because... Now more than ever, you need to give us money. (laughs) Amen. Now more than ever, we need fucking communism. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. yeah, I know you've been shedding and reassessing and learning. And I have been too in in much less aggressively intense ways. Um, yeah. More quiet ways. You know, I've been really enjoying introspection and shedding a lot of the, uh, oh, I don't want to say like addiction, but the addictive properties of being in relationship with other people, honestly. I feel like I've let go of a lot of the desire to, I guess, have my projection of what I want out of a situation. Um, and I had, I had some clarity on that. You know, I, I was talking with an ex, ooh, gossip. Um, (laughs) and I was like, you know, as we're like working on creating a friendship through this, I know that we both had talked about like, we would be into maybe dating again someday. And I was like, yeah, I'm not opposed to that. And that sounds so negative. I'm open to it, but not right now. Like I don't, I genuinely don't have an interest in fucking with anybody else getting mixed into my brain right now because I am enjoying how much healing I'm doing in this isolation and the downtime. It's been really good for my nervous system and stressful, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, right? It's a lot to be facing and to be integrating and yeah. It's very effortful. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah, being a person takes a lot of energy. I was saying that yesterday uh with with a friend I was chatting with and I w- <laughs> I was like just, you know, being alive, it's exhausting. <laughs> it is it is it is yeah yeah so how have you been I like the past week how have you been existing (sighs) um 
just moment to moment um, a little bit, just like major, major upheavals, which I referred to before. And um, I've been existing by really taking care of the most basic necessities, like, okay, am I eating enough? Am I making sure that I'm wearing something that is both comfortable and that I like? Um, uh-huh. I, I made myself talk to two friends yesterday, which is something I generally don't do. Most of my relational contact is with clients and not with uh-huh. friends. Uh-huh. So I had two Zooms, um, and, and well, a Zoom and a phone call, and that was great. I didn't want to do either, not because I don't love my friends, but because that's how, uh, sadness works for me, at least. I just want to isolate, uh-huh. um, it's been very difficult to engage with my tarot deck or do any sort of ritual, but I have just here and there, just tiny bits, but mostly I've, I've been in recovery mode and, and I'm going to be in recovery mode for quite a while. I think I, you know, we were waxing poetic about going into the darkness, you know, on Samhain and, I love the idea. The practice of it mm-hmm. is quite different. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. I really value darkness, but the truth is the things that are in my shadow are incredibly difficult to look at. That's why they're there. So I don't want to look at my anger. I don't want to look at my reactivity. I don't want to look at uh, my behavior. I don't want to look at any of these things. And I am now, and I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, increasingly. Um, and I don't think that there's ever going to be a time in my life where I just get to be some version of myself that doesn't need to be exploring my darkness. But, you know, yeah. I, somewhere along the line, last couple of years, I decided that I don't need to do that. That's for everybody else, that I'm fine, that I can really value that. And yeah, maybe I am. Do- no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. Um, and so reapproaching myself as if, I were new again is humbling. Like, wow, I, I feel like a fresh new baby that just got born and all I want to do is sleep really. Um, well, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's how I've been. <laughs> Babies need sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. You know, being so close to you, I would not have expected you to say, that you feel like you've avoided the darkness the past couple of years because, I mean, and that's not to say that I think you're at all wrong. I think that you absolutely know yourself better than anyone else. Just from my perspective on being close to you, I've seen you release so much relational trauma in the past few years and really embrace vulnerability, which I do think is part of the shadow self really, because it's, it's what the shadow self is born of. Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm just, I am, but one woman or something, (laughs) I'm one alien being stuck in a meat bag and I, yeah, it, it surprises me. Well, I mean, I think that that's, that's accurate. I am being fairly hard on myself right now um, mm-hmm. um, because in relational conflicts, the louder one is the bigger asshole. That's just how it goes. And right now I'm the bigger asshole right now, right? Like So so I was talking mm-hmm. to a good friend of mine yesterday and she's like, I hear you taking a lot of responsibility here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I admitted I'm being a little hard on myself. And also um, I do acknowledge I've done a lot of uh, personal work for sure. I have um, addressed a lot of relational triggers. I have learned how to communicate more effectively with the people I love. I've learned a lot of self-regulation techniques. Um, I've deepened my work in a lot of areas. And I didn't know what I wasn't looking at because I wasn't looking at it. Yeah. So I was surprised by what I started to find in my shadow. And I'm continuing to be surprised. I didn't know I felt that way. And Mm -hmm. I think that one of the primary ways that I have been sidestepping intense shadow work is by not being in therapy, um, which I have not been all year. And um, I've had a lot of rationalizations for why that's okay and why that makes sense. But, you know, they don't, they don't really hold up anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, we don't know 
what we don't know until we stumble upon it. And we're like, oh shit. You know, I was really telling myself like I've done the work and I'm doing the work, but damn, if there isn't a huge well of work to do Mm -hmm. after that, because, um, when you are doing a lot of personal work, it moves things around and it shifts things around in such a way that it reveals more Mm -hmm. and it reveals another layer and another and another. And I don't get to be free of that. Yeah. Well, no one does. And people love to, I say people, and I'm certainly included to feel like, well, that I did it. So I, I must've ascended, right? Like that's, that's what that means. I could never make a mistake again. And like, you know, one of the things that comes up with my clients a lot, which is not the same exact topic, but same point is that they're like, I just, I'm afraid that I'm going to get hurt. I'm afraid that this person is going to hurt me. And like, listen, I can promise you there are going to be more people in your life that hurt you until the day you die, you're going to get hurt again. And that is part of life. And every hurt is going to change you. So you're going to have new shit to deal with. You're going to have new baggage, but it's not really baggage. It's just shit you have to unpack, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, that all of those negative experiences are going to happen and you're going to take on new negative traits or thought patterns or whatever as a result of them, whether or not you're in control of them because both can be true. There are also going to be so many innumerable good things Life is not an escalation of perfection. Life is constant bullshit and chaos and joy and sadness and beauty and horrible things. And those just all exist together. That is what the universe is made of. Yeah. So struggling with it makes a lot of sense because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, totally. You know, also, you know, as you're talking, I'm kind of reflecting um, that it's context, right? Like as, as our context changes, that, yeah. that unlocks different parts of ourselves. One of, one of the coolest moments in my graduate school education was reading about postmodernism, especially in psychotherapy. The difference between a modernist and a postmodernist perspective in psychotherapy is profound. A modernist perspective is that the problem is about the person. There is something wrong with them, right? Mm. A postmodern perspective is that there is no objective truth, that everything is subjective, that people are constantly responding and becoming according to what's happening around them internally and externally, that it's a combination of both. And I love that way of thinking. And I have found that it has served me so much more. So if I'm applying that thinking to myself, I have never lived through a pandemic before. Yeah. Never. So the, the things that have happened this year have opened doors to my shadow that wouldn't have been opened otherwise, you know, Mm -hmm. or wouldn't have been opened in the same way. So I don't know. I know as we're talking, I'm like, damn, this is a good conversation for me to be having because, you know, I'm almost having this modernist perspective about myself. Like, God, what is so wrong with me? And that is just an incomplete truth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have that, I have that shit come up all the time for me as well. You know, what's wrong with me that the first negative thought pattern that I was really stuck in for a very long time was why does everything bad keep happening to me? Mm-hmm. I don't deserve this. Why is this all happening to me? And it's not that I, I feel like that can be misconstrued as maybe narcissism. And like, I'm not saying that I'm immune to narcissism at all, mm-hmm. but it took one of my very best friends, Bryce, was like, Callie, there are so many bad things that happen in the world and there are so many bad people in the world. Like, not to say everybody is a monster or not, but he was like, it's not something wrong with you. It's that this is just happening. And I was like, fuck, I've never thought of that. (laughs) Right. It just is, right? I thought it was my fault, you know, that there was 
I, I used to describe it as like, there's a perfume on me that everybody else can smell and mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I can't smell it. And they like, they know something is wrong with me. And so that either repels them or draws them to me. Mm. And yeah. it turns out I just, I mean, was fucking neuroatypical. And I also was just a person and I didn't really know about the complexity of relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I do now. I don't know anything. Nobody <laughs> I mean, does. <laughs> I mean, we know some things, right? I mean, and you know, and you reflected a middle wave to me and I'm going to reflect it back to you. You know, mm -hmm. we know some things you and I have maintained a friendship for a decade and we mm -hmm. both have people in our lives for, for whom a relationship with us has been not easy and not uncomplicated, but they have continued to relate to us and to connect mm -hmm. to us. And, you know, these are also the breaking of childhood patterns, right? Yeah. You know, I, I know why, um, I have the flavor of reactivity that I do. I have a really good reason for it. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to continue doing it because I'm re-traumatizing myself every time I, you know, get angry and defensive and, and hold power and all the things that I was taught to do through abuse, you know, and that's the thing about growing up in an abusive home is it's like a language that you were taught and a language that you mm -hmm. were fluent in. And when things get really stressful and the pressure is on, we always return to our baseline of coping. And if our baseline of coping is a high level of reactivity to be self-protective, then mm -hmm. that's what takes us over. And none of us are immune to that. Absolutely. We don't, our brains don't seek out the best possible solution. They seek out the most common, comfortable one. And mm -hmm. for something my therapist said to me was like, of course you're seeking a way to be unhappy because you're really used to it. You're a master at suffering. And I was like, oh, oh. oh. damn. <laughs> okay. That's what a, what very a metal thing to say. Like such a hardcore thing to say. I love it. <laughs> it is. And like, I needed that because I, I, it's, I, I was telling a client this past week, I was like, you know, imagine you're in a forest and there's a path that is like very clear. It has been walked thousands of years. It is just solid dirt. And ahead, you can see like there's a big, dark, scary forest at the end of it. Now to the right is a very thickly wooded area. You can't see through it, but you can see this like sun shining through. Are you going to stick to the path that is clearly a path, despite the fact that it's fucking ominous, or are you just going to forge a new path in a way that like, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because you're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to get out your goddamn machete and you're going to have to get your legs scratched up by all the bramble, you know, but like, are you going to forge your own path? And, uh, I love that way of forcing myself out of my comfort zone because my comfort zone is abuse. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable the comfort zone is. It is what it is. <sighs> so doing new things, you know, getting through conflict. Like I was telling you that I, I was getting through a difficult moment with one of my very best friends yesterday. And, um, and I had mentioned to that friend, like, I'm not conflict averse because I luckily have had about eight years with my partner and many close friends with whom I've seen that conflict resolution is actually incredibly vulnerable, incredibly bonding. And I always have better relationships for getting through that. So I can trust when a conflict happens with someone that I trust that it's actually a growing moment even if it sucks, even if it's uncomfortable, that's the kind of discomfort that I can choose knowing that it's a good path, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I do know. Um, and I like that you said, you know, you, uh, you emphasize trust, you know, and I think that for me, it's when I don't really have solid trust with a person that I don't trust that conflict can happen and I'll be more yeah. conflict avoidant because I know that it, that the relationship can't tolerate it you know? And, yeah. um, and that's just, that's just a hard line to toe. It's, it's, it's just difficult. Like you said, to just be a human. And, um, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were approaching this conversation and I was I was thinking about what we would discuss, I hoped we would go here, you know, just a vulnerable sharing for our listeners about where we're at, mm-hmm. um, because my hope is that they'll resonate and that they'll feel that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to kind of to kind of wrap us up, I'm wondering if we could. I don't know, just talk a little bit about how we're caring for ourselves. I think, I mean, we talked a bit about that, but you know, what is maybe some guidance, you know, if our listeners are like, yeah, like my fucking shit is falling apart. It's a pandemic. My relationships are stressed. Everything is stressed. Mm -hmm. Everything is burning down. Mm -hmm. You know, what do we do to connect to ourselves and stay safe through that storm? Hell yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Amber and I did not actually make any plan for this conversation. We were like, no. let's hit record and chat. Yep. <laughs> so, um, one, I want to reflect that I love hearing you say that you've been struggling to connect with your tarot deck because me fucking too, man. Oh, man. I, I mean, I haven't felt super witchy lately in the ways that I usually like that usually feel really good. I haven't really been hanging out with my altar much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also am like, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Like it, I like the feeling of magic that comes up when I'm in that space, <sighs> but my brain is coping. So I, I'm not going to hold myself to feeling bad that I'm not feeling mystical as shit right now. Shit's mm-hmm. very real. Mm-hmm. It's plague times. Makes sense to not feel super mystical. So my invitation to you and all of our listeners is don't, you know, don't feel bad <laughs> for not <laughs> feeling connective to your witchy side necessarily, or at least in the same ways as usual, because it makes sense to feel a little disconnected. I, it took my therapist reminding me that dissociation, which is not what I'm saying that that is inherently, but it can be part of it. Dissociation is a coping mechanism and it is effective. It's just not effective if you're constantly dissociated and can't function, Mm -hmm. but it exists for reasons. So I'm embracing that I'm embracing (sighs) paying attention to how I feel. I've noticed that my anxiety in this time is coming up when I know that I have stuff to do and I avoid doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I have loosened my, um, I guess, restriction where I feel like I have to perform a certain level of perfection. You know, I, I identify as a recovering perfectionist, despite the fact that literally nothing in my life is perfect. Um, I just kind of care less because I remind myself to care less about other people thinking I'm doing something weird or like maybe I, I don't know, don't look professional. I, I don't do my hair for my client appointments. You know, I feel like it's important for me to show up in my, what I'm going to fucking wear. Cause mm-hmm. we're people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a choice every time, you know, I'm like, Oh, what if they think that I'm unprofessional because I'm just wearing this t-shirt and I'm not wearing any makeup and my hair is a mess. Fuck it. You know what? That has nothing to do with who I am. So I'm choosing to forge that new path for myself. And I've been trying to drink more water the past couple days because a bitch is hy- dehydrated. I have been having dehydration headaches, which is not cool. I've been trying to drink more water and taking my meds on time, which helps a ton. I have not been drinking at all for about five months other than on election night um, as a celebration of, oh, hopefully this is going to go well. <laughs> um, ha- had some bubbles with my immediate people and yeah, that's, I would say that's generally the, the care package for me right now. Hmm. I like that. It's very gentle and very loving, like an accepting parent, you know? Yeah. Thanks. It feels rambly to talk about it because I haven't been thinking about it in a structured way. Um, but hopefully Others can hear that and know that like your coping mechanisms are a set and you are choosing them whether or not they feel super packaged and like, this is my plan. You know, you are doing it all the time. And 
that's good. You deserve to be taken care of in literally whatever way you can cobble together. So Amber, what ways have you cobbled together? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I referred to some of them when we started talking. Um, Very, very basics of self-care. Lately, I've been treating my emotional state as a state of grief because it is. I am in grief and Mm -hmm. will be for a minute um, over, over these personal losses. And when we are in grief, it is really important to just return to eating, sleeping, bathing, and social support. Very basic. Then there's this other layer of being a functional human beyond that. I'm also still working full time. That's not going to stop. Um, mm-hmm. although Callie, you'll be happy to hear I'm going down to four days a week, uh, in, uh, in December. So oh, hell yeah, yeah, I'm going to stay at four days a week. That's, that's great. Um, so the, the functional piece is a little harder. Um, I am not in a state where I'm not functioning. I'm, I'm still functioning. Um, and the functioning is tenuous. Because for me, and and maybe you resonate, maybe a lot of people will, there is a tricky thing when it comes to we're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, That impulse can come from different places within me. Sometimes we're not going to do this. Like we're not going to clean the house right now. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is the most self-loving choice I can make because I've been working all day. Mm -hmm. I've already been cleaning, right? Like I'm at the end of my rope. So the last thing I need to do is be keeping myself busy, you know, after 10 hours of doing psychotherapy online with, you know, oh, the dishes and the trash, like that can wait for tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. And slowing myself down is some of my work. Yeah. And then some of my work is speeding myself up because then I'll have this other impulse that's like, we're not going to clean the house because we don't want to because, you know, and I have a lot of rationalizations, but the entire time that I am abstaining from the cleaning, I'm anxious about it. And that is the primary difference I have found between those impulses within myself. If, If it is truly congruent for me to not be cleaning my house right now, I will feel relieved. I will feel like I have let myself off the hook in the best way, and I'll feel pretty damn good about it. If what I actually do truly desire is a clean home, but I am feeling too depressive to give it to myself, I will not be able to rest. I will be sitting on the couch, looking at everything around me, feeling restless, feeling agitated. And it's those moments where I do need to push past that and I need to clean the house. And every time I do push past that, (sighs) Callie's like, damn it, Amber. (laughs) I literally, I was waiting for you to pause so I could say, first of all, how dare you call me out like that? (laughs) Uh, I know. Yeah. I know. know. But I mean, (laughs) but to interject, like, Yeah, that is exactly what I was talking about in mind too. Like noticing when I'm anxious because I'm being avoidant. Right, right. Yeah, right. It's so real. It is. Avoidance is a trauma response. And, and I, and I, um, whenever like my party line is I tread lightly on avoidance because it is a, a source of shame because we know that we're supposed to be doing something else. And sometimes we are supposed to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. Often like I've been working on this for years. Um, when I do push past that agitation point and because it's energy and I use the energy to suck it the fuck up and get the house mm-hmm. clean on the other side, I feel better. And I'm like proud of myself yeah. and, it, and it feels good. And does it feel like pulling teeth to do it? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes I cry while I am making myself be a human because those of us who struggle with depression, if I indulge that impulse too many times, well, now it's been a day and now it's been a week and now it's been a month and then it's been six months and, and it just, it, it accumulates. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for those of us who struggle with depressive symptoms, keeping it moving, even if it's just a little bit can be really helpful. So, Ooh, okay. Several things, several things yeah. I want to talk about in that. Okay. One, okay. I want to, I want to share my tip and then I also have a question. So yeah. my tip, and I say, this is somebody who constantly has to remind myself of it and I don't succeed in doing this hundred percent of the time. But when I remember to, it is so helpful is that when I'm feeling that avoidance, when I'm looking around, and I, as I am doing literally right now, at my <laughs> empty seltzer cans on my desk and a wine glass that had 
I think I had like apple juice in it (laughs) and like a half empty bag of peanut butter pretzels and notes for last week's episode. I'm looking around at it and like, I've been avoiding tidying and my kitchen's a mess and I've been really aware of that. But when I remember that it's my child self, one feeling avoidant and two suffering as a result of that, I also can remember that I'm now the adult and I can like, it sounds weird because you're just having one little thought, but like I can mentally be like, hey, I'm here to help now. You don't have to do this work. This isn't child self work, which is, in my opinion, I think most of us live in our child selves. Mm -hmm. And there are times when we have to be our adult selves and like thinking of myself as the really good parent I always deserved. It's like, yeah, we can do this together. I'm going to help you. And just removing my, my cognitive awareness from that state of mind and moving into what I think a good parent for me would be. That's really helpful. So that's my tip. My question and feel free to reflect on the tip in your answer, um, Mm -hmm. is when you talk about going into a task that's really emotionally taxing and crying through it, like I know that you're a drama therapist and that part of what you have been trained in is how to be activated and how to move through that. And so you're moving the activation really out of your body. You're like crying it out essentially, but for someone like me who is an emotional masochist in history, like I'm really good at digging down, making myself feel worse and worse and worse. When I think of doing a task that's like, yeah, I might cry. I might cry and cry and cry. And like, yeah, I'll stop sometime because I'll run out of tears. But like, I, I can see how my past self would have just dug into that hole. Mm -hmm. So what is your advice for people who are moving through an activated state? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, to me, it's about how you are perceiving and responding to yourself. So I'll, I'll take the example of me crying when I'm cleaning. Um, there has been times where I am activated in cleaning and I am angry and crying and I am slamming dishes and I am pushing things over and I am right. And I'm really, really reactive. Mm -hmm. That, um, that is not good for me. (laughs) That is not good for anyone. Right. And what I'm telling myself, I'm ruminating. Right. And I'm like chewing on something I'm really mad about. And, and that is not, um, that is not the goal. Um, that is, that is an example of needing to slow down and actually not be doing the dishes, but sitting down and feeling the way that I feel because anger is a secondary emotion. So for me, um, anger will come forward, um, in a way that is unproductive and unhealthy. And Mm -hmm. then there's the other version that I think is very productive is, um, sometimes the, the tears will come up because I'm expressing grief that I'm not getting help. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why should I have to do this? In Mm -hmm. fact, I have historically not been supported the way I needed to, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's the tears are coming because I just feel so powerless, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like the difference between punishing an angry child and picking up a child who is sad. So to me, it's, it's like you're picking up the child who is sad and you're saying, hey, listen, I know you don't want to clean up today. That's okay. It's okay for you to feel that way, but we need to because Mm -hmm. you deserve to have a clean space. Okay. So you can cry all you want. I'm going to, I'm going to go through the motions with you and we're going to get this Mm -hmm. done and you're going to feel better. So I'm reassuring myself and expressing my feelings in real time, which is different Mm -hmm. than you need to go do the fucking dishes. (laughs) That is very different. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Yeah, you just reflected the same thing that I say as my coping thing (laughs) for getting through those hard times. Um, I I love that. And I do, like you discussing that, I know this was supposed to be the wrap-up portion, but this (laughs) is just such a good conversation. And I feel like a lot of people are going to vibe with it 
I know that I, I wish I would have heard this conversation 10 years ago. Um, yeah. yeah. When you're talking about that and like having a history of just being unhelped, being and feeling unhelped. Mm-hmm. I always think of, I remember the first time I felt like alone in cleaning, (laughs) which is such a touchy subject for me. You know, I'm the child of two pretty extreme hoarders and also uh, there, there were so many undiagnosed mental illnesses that have, that were never and have never been diagnosed, but a lot of their shit was projecting onto me all of their anxieties. And I'm aware of that now, but I remember I had this like giant stereo box full of crayon bits, you know, like little broken crayons and I had dumped them out to color. I was probably three or four. And I remember my mom telling me, you need to pick those up. You need to put them back in the box. And I remember looking at this pile of crayons and thinking there were so many and it was going to take me so long. I was so overwhelmed and I was crying and I was like, I really need your help. And she was like, no, you don't, you can do it. And she left me to like do it alone. And of course, as an adult, I'm like, yeah, of course that's easy. But as a little kid with tiny hands and like, that does seem like an endless task because you don't have a concept of time. (laughs) Of course I felt alone in that. And that is the feeling that comes up when I have to take care of my home. And especially as somebody with a partner, my codependence so much is wrapped up in our housekeeping. And for the first two years that we were together, we really struggled with ever cleaning because on the flip side, they come from a very clean mom who cares a lot about taking very good care of the house, which I think is wonderful. And also of course comes with its own unique challenges and stresses. And so we were approaching it from these really opposite sides, but with so much anxiety and we had to make a rule that we would not speak at all while we clean Mm. for, for several years, because if we did, it was like, Hey, I noticed that you didn't do this thing. Could you just do it next time? It was always punishing Mm -hmm. each other. And we realized that if we just sit with our own fucking feelings and don't push them on the other person, it's way healthier. And eventually we both stopped doing it. And now we can have full on conversations and be like, oh, hey, look, we're out of dish soap. Oh, I guess we, one of us has to get dish soap. Great. Instead of like, if you didn't, use it all and then never tell me about it. We wouldn't be in this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's, that is a great tip that I wish somebody would have given me at the beginning of my life really. But yeah, if you can't get through a cleaning task without yelling at people, just don't speak. Don't say anything. Don't be around them. Be like, I'm going to be in the kitchen and I need to process my feelings. So if you don't want to hear me sighing really aggressively, don't come in the kitchen for two hours because it's not about you. Yeah, totally. I also love how this is like evolved into a discussion on cleaning because it's like, it's such a, it's such a topic. Like I, I was also punished with cleaning and punished with eating and just punished for everything. And when I was in my early twenties, I had the strange experience of owning a home as a very young person. I did a house build um, with other other poor folks and and came into home ownership well before I was ever ready to do that. And I I just did not know how to adult. There's some things like I'm still learning how to do. Like my partner introduced me to parchment paper. I was like, what is this magic paper that can go in the oven? I've never even heard of that. (laughs) Like I hadn't even heard of a scone when I left my home. Like I just, I, yeah, I had a a very weird childhood. Um, but like, (laughs) I'll just throw myself under the bus. So like when I first owned this home and I'm like 22, 23 years old and I, I just didn't know how to set up garbage service. So I just didn't. Um, and I threw all the garbage into our garage. I had a two car garage and they're literally a year's worth of trash. So much so that frogs started living in the garage (laughs) and I had to rent a U-Haul to move all of the trash. 
Um, uh-huh. So when I say that people can recover from that kind of way, I, I've, I am very fully recovered from that. Um, I'm very clean. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time and it was just like so much shame around it. And a lot of it was like reframing what it is that I'm not being punished that mm-hmm. this, and and now I find it highly regulating. Uh, I actually, it's hard for me not to clean because mm-hmm. I use cleaning to diffuse my anxiety now, <laughs> but, but at yeah. any rate, I do have to wrap up because a girl's got to pee. Um, so <laughs> here we are. Here I am. I feel you. Thank you for sharing that. I only laugh at that story of your garage frogs. You you should because it's funny. (laughs) It is funny. And I, you know, I look to you for a lot of my inspiration around healing that wound in particular, because you do rejoice so much in taking care of your home. And I really admire that. Um, Mm Well, I think this has been a great chat. I think we actually just have a full episode, to be honest. <laughs> I think we might. I think yeah. we might have a full episode. Um, it's a little it's a little less polished, but I think it's full of magic and it's full of what I think a lot of us need right now. I think so too. So I'll do some editing and I'll see what I can come up with because we have about 45 minutes here and I feel like, you know... Washington state is not the only state that's being hit right now. Like we're all being hit. Coronavirus is worse than it's ever fucking been. Um, And so it feels like, you know, a couple of witches in the pandemic, just being vulnerable and sharing their self care care tips. Like, yeah, that'd probably be good to share with the public. (laughs) So. Amen. uh, Yeah. Real, real quick. Thank you patrons. Thanks for waiting through us not being able to have an episode last week. Super appreciate you. And thank you to BetterHelp, our sponsor. We are going to play that ad at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And also, if you don't follow us on Patreon and you can spare a few bucks, it helps us a ton with funding things like Zencaster, which we're now using and have subscription fees. So if that's a thing that you want to help support because we love doing this, we love sharing it with you, hell Yeah. And also, if you don't have a dollar to spare, never you mind. You can support the podcast by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, which is actually the single best way you can support the pod. So if you haven't yet, please send us a little love over there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And now uh, let's do an ad from BetterHelp. See you next week. I was really excited. This was actually the very first sponsor that you and I reached out to Mm -hmm. because we really wanted to build relationships with actual therapeutic tools into the podcast. One of the biggest struggles I have as a therapist is just wrestling with the inaccessibility of mental health treatment. So because BetterHelp can do therapy from their home and do it remotely, that means that people, you know, they don't have to go anywhere, which can actually be a thing. Like if you don't have a car access, getting to a clinic can actually be difficult. Mm -hmm. So just the convenience of being able to be at home, I think is really important. And then that increases the possibility that people will actually utilize therapy. Yeah. I know that it has felt like a significantly lessened burden for me to be able to do therapy from home just on my phone. And I really hope that the world just gets more comfortable with virtual therapy in general because of where we're at in the world. I agree. And I think it's important that mental health consumers have the ability to have a say in who their provider is. As a therapist, I definitely, you know, I meet a new client and I'm like, well, you know, I don't think we're a good fit. So can I help you find someone who is? Or they tell me I'm not a good fit and that's fine. I think we really need to normalize that. And with BetterHelp, you can change anytime and choose a different provider if they're not a good fit for you. Because likely, you know, you might need to try on, you know, a few different kinds of providers before you find the one that's right for you. Having therapists who are capable of helping me with my specific needs and to say that they offer that worldwide is really cool to me Mm -hmm. really like the better help has financial aid available for people this is a long-term therapeutic process so this isn't a crisis line it's different than that it is not a self-help line it's different than that so it's a therapeutic relationship that needs to build consistently so that's what you can get And because BetterHelp is partnering with us, you can go to betterhelp.com slash pocket coven and you can actually get 10% off of your first month. 
if within that time you decide you don't like your therapist, you can, as Amber said, just easily switch to a different one. It's super accessible and it's betterhelp.com slash pocket coven. That will get you 10% off. It'll get us just a little bit of a kickback. So it's a great way to support the podcast and your well-being at the same time. 